Mother's Day to everybody. Can we have everybody who's a mom, a stepmom, a foster mom, a grandma, you play that role of mother in your life. Please stand up. And we want to cheer wildly for all of these incredible people. Wow. Woo. Come on. Come on. Come on. Woo. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, everybody, happy Mother's Day at Valley Church. Uh, just a great day. You know, um, I want to just highlight a, a few moms, okay? Here's this mom, amazing, like a boss. Happy Mother's Day. She's got the child in hand, reaches up, catches the baseball. Absolutely. They actually caught another mom doing it on video. Check this out. Here it goes. Catch. Yeah, this ball cascading down from the upper deck. And the right-handed grab. Baby in tow. That is incredible. Here, here, here's, one, here's a little fun one I, I saw. Mom, what's it like to have the greatest daughter in the world? I don't know, dear. You'll have to ask grandma. Um, there we go. How about this? Um, interesting, you can't find your shoes, but you can find a tiny bit of onion in your dinner. There you go. Here's another one. Am I a good mother, Susan? Uh, my name's Amy. All right. My mom did that, you know. We, uh, mom was a single parent of seven children, so she just start, started at the top of the list, and it was James, Preston, John, Paul, Mike, uh, Marianne, that's wrong, Quentin. Okay, there, there we go. Then I have my sister Belinda, too. Okay, here's another one. Uh, yes, these are moms on Mother's Day, and these are moms on every other day. Yes, can we hear it one more time for our moms, just our amazing moms. So today's a special day, and we want to take uh, some time in the Word of God. Turn, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 17. You know, um, today I want to talk about family, and I want to talk about this concept, family and friends. How about this? Love more, stress less. How many of you have noticed that life can be stressful sometimes? Anybody here? Yeah. Yeah, it's been stressful sometimes. How about, how many of you would be in favor of loving more and stressing less? Yeah, I think everybody here. So we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, the, the wisdom of Proverbs sets kind of a standard or an ideal for us to aim for. We're not there yet. How many of you have the perfect ideal family with absolutely no issues or problems? Okay, that's what I thought. Um, me too. You know, we're all in this together. But we can aim for that and we can start by the grace of God wherever God has us. However broken or imperfect or struggling or whatever we might be, we can move toward, by the grace of God, toward what uh, he wants to give to us in our lives. So love more, stress less. Proverbs 17 uh, and verse 1. Better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. Um, the principle here is pretty straightforward. Pursue harmony over success. Forty years ago, a little over that, I asked the awesome Ruth Steve if she would be my wife. And shockingly, she agreed. She said, okay, let's do it. And then a little bit later, I asked Ruth, what do you want from marriage? What do you want from our marriage? What do you want for our family? And she actually said, Quentin, this is what I want. And she actually referenced this verse, better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. She said, I don't care if we're millionaires. I just want to have love in our family. I want to have peace. I want to have harmony. I want to work together and get along. I don't care about money. I don't care about wealth, which is a really good thing. So anyway, um, 
we don't need to be millionaires. And the point is, you know, we can get all caught up in the pursuit of success. And here's the thing. Sometimes we so much want our children to have what we never had that many of us, for, sometimes we forget to give them what we did have that was good. And so it's okay to have material wealth and so forth. That's fine. But let's make sure that the priority is on love and harmony within the home. Here's my mom. This is my mom when she was 18 years old. And um, she became a, a parent at 20. First time mom. And my mom and dad um, split up when I was three years old. And mom became a single parent of seven children ages two through 14. And guess what? We didn't have a lot. We were, we were pretty poor, actually. But there was absolutely one thing that I never doubted a single time in my life. And that is how much my mom loved me. She really, really loved me. And she loved all of us. And that was evident. And that was evident in our home. And there was love and there was joy. And there wasn't always a lot. Um, but there was love. And there's something to be uh, very powerfully to be said about that. You know, guys, sometimes we can get so caught up in that to, to it gets stressful. And it's not just, uh, it's not just material success. It'd be like, I want my kids to be academically successful and artistically successful and athletically successful and financially successful. And we want them to have all these successes. And if we're not careful, we can overdo that. And it just becomes like stress out time. And it's like, we're, we don't have time to breathe anymore. And so maybe think about, maybe for some, it need to dial it back just a little bit and focus on relationships. We never want the, the issues of life uh, or the activities of life to take uh, precedence over the relationships of life. Busy is very normal. It's a busy world, it's, that's normal. But frantic is not sustainable. And so better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house full of feasting with conflict. And, and maybe you're coming from a really hard situation right now where there's a lot of conflict and friction, and that's not your reality right now, but you can begin to pray, and in simple ways, prayer and, and kindness and, and patience and, and, and truth-telling when needed to move toward that point where you can begin to experience that as God graces you. Um, here's a picture of our family when they were much younger. Um, the day, I remember, was November 1st. And it was uncharacteristically hot that day. And so the morning woke up, it's in the 70s, and I'm like, hey, I got an idea, Ruth. And I have a lot of the crazy, spontaneous ideas. Uh, Ruth can tell you about those sometime. But I said, hey, let's just, let's go pick up the kids at school, right in the middle of school, take them out of school and go driving around and, and just enjoy the great outdoors on this 70s day. And this is not my convertible. We did not own it. Um, <clears throat> I just stole it. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, I borrowed it for the day, and, uh, and they said, can we, can we borrow your convertible? So we pulled up, we picked the kids up, we drove to school in a borrowed car, picked them up, went driving around town, stopped at this friend's house, they took a picture of us. And I'm gonna tell you something. That memory is worth more than a million dollars to me. It was just so special, so meaningful. So here's, I think Solomon is telling us, just make sure yeah, you're making some money, you're making some progress, you're achieving some things. Just make sure you're making memories. Making memories um, together. Verse 6 in chapter 17 says in the book of Proverbs, grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. I'm not sure I love 
that, that word there, because I'm a grandparent now, I don't think of myself as aged or elderly, but here I am. Um, but they are the crowning glory. I mean, there's every, every grandparent, there's nothing better than grandparenting. It's awesome and amazing. And it's, everybody told me that it was going to be this incredibly wonderful experience. And it's way more than they said. I just absolutely, absolutely love us. In fact, our grandchildren sent us a video for our 40th anniversary last weekend. Can I show it to you? Tough. I'm going to anyway. Here we go. Watch. Happy anniversary, Grandma and Grampy. I love you. Oh, yeah. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Now, this is God's design for the family. It's an ideal standard. And it's like, not every day, especially when they're younger, perhaps, not every day are our parent, are, are children saying, parents, you are my pride and joy. That doesn't happen all the time, you know? But it's what God's design here is through the many twists and turns of family life, through the ups and downs, it is meant to land eventually as mutual admiration. So here's the principle. We can build admiration between generations. So over time, God willing, we enable, we're enabled to appreciate all the strengths of everybody in the family from the littlest one all the way to the oldest one, and we can appreciate the strengths of all of them and really admire and, and enjoy one another's company. Um, and by the way, moms are at the center of this entire circus, the family circus. They're the ones that are kind of glue that, that's holding this together. Um, it's just absolutely important to understand that. We have at Valley Church, just a side note, we have at Valley Church a wonderful grandparenting uh, ministry and uh, John and Amy Ness lead that. And I just wanted John to have a quick shout out about it because it's one of our signature ministries here. Check it out. Our grandparenting ministry is all about equipping and encouraging grandparents to be more intentional spiritual influencers in their families. This fall, we'll be launching our second intentional grandparent life group. And also once a quarter, we hold one hour workshops. And that's where we bring together our entire community of grandparents and we take some time to explore different topics that are particularly relevant and important to us as grandparents. It's great. And there are many, many opportunities uh, across the spectrum for all sorts of stuff for kids of all ages here at Valley Church. Uh, parenting, grandparenting, it's all, there have many different opportunities for you to explore. So check that out. Because we want to get to the point, and sometimes it's a long journey, but you can pray and you can pursue Christ in seeing that we can have a mutual admiration between these generations. Um, you know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we hold this treasure in jars of clay. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what does he mean by that? He's, what he's saying there is we're just, all of us, we're just clay pots. By in and of ourselves, we're imperfect. We're not that incredible in and of ourselves, we're, we're dirty, we have some cracks in our pots, we're crack pots, you know? And, and, and yet, because when we come to trust in Jesus Christ, this treasure is within us. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, his, his life, his death, his resurrection is within us. And the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us now. And now because of that, there's, there's an incredible future that God has planned for us. So we keep pursuing that. We recognize our imperfections and weaknesses, but we believe that God is working in us and he is working in our uh, friends' lives and in our families' lives all around us 
to do something special so that we can experience to love more and to stress less. Ann Voskamp is a, is a wonderful Christian author, and um, she wrote a prayer, and I want to share it with you. And it's this sort of prayer to aim toward, toward this goal that Proverbs has, no matter where you start. You can't, she says, you can't change the past and you can't control the future, but today we can focus on. So she wrote this uh, prayer called Just Today. She said, just today I will make our home a house of prayer. I will pray at given times and I will invite our children to come into an interior space that lives with God. Just today I will transfigure all things by his grace into beauty and I will refuse to see anything else. Just today, I will not have any emergencies. There are no emergencies. She says, just for today, only amateurs hurry through life. Just today, when stress mounts, I pray to dismount the stress with gratitude. My stress management plan will be intervention with verbal thanks. I can only feel one feeling at a time, and I choose to give thanks in the Lord at all times. I fight feeling with a better feeling. Just today, I will pray to speak words that are only strong words, words that make these children feel strong. Grace words. Grace is the only non-toxic air. All other words I breathe are death words. Just today, I will pray to be consistently consistent, not perfect. I will create safe rhythms that our children can find security in. I will create daily ceremonies because every day we are celebrating the gift of right now. Just today, the moment when I am most repelled by a child's behavior, that is my sign to draw the very closest to that child. Just today, I will hug each of my children as many times as I serve them meals because children's hearts feed on touch. I'll look for as many opportunities to touch my children today as possible. And the taller they are, the more I will do so. Today, my priorities will be all things unseen. And just today, I will laugh. I will let the little children laugh as well. And I will let the big kids laugh too. Today, I will create a culture of joy. Beautiful, beautiful words. To love more and stress less. Let's go on. Proverbs 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. This is really talking about friends and family and it's loving more and stressing less. And here's the simple principle, it's just to be there. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to even fix it, but you just have to be there. Somebody they can count on to hear them, to listen to them, to pray for them. Be there. A friend is always loyal. There's a consistency. <clears throat> it, there are issues that arise in friendships and families. But what Solomon is telling us is don't let the issues and the, the, the crises of life or even things you may disagree on, the issues, don't let them overwhelm the relationship that you have. The relationship is more important than the issue at hand. We're loyal always. There's an unconditional love that we have as friends and as family. He says, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Um, now, it took me a while to figure this all out. You know, I have a big family, and here are my brothers. Here are all my brothers. All right, there I am in the middle. And, uh, you know, I was the youngest of, of five boys. Uh, in fact, that's how I got my name, you know. My brother's names were James, John, Paul, Mike. And then they said, 
we've run out of boys' names. Let's just give them a number. Five, Quint, Quentin. There you go. There's your number. So that's, that's a true story. Um, and I have sisters too. These are my two sisters over here. So, um, and guess what? You know, families, we worked it out. We, we had our moments growing up and everything, but we really love each other. In fact, next month, we're going to get together for a reunion again. And and we've learned, and we're very different about issues and things and perspectives and even locations, but we've come together. And if that's not your reality now, just start praying that somehow God would enable you to build a bridge toward friends, to all your friends and to your family that you can say, well, I'm going to try to love, love more and stress less. Be the friend or be the sibling that you would want to have for yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And last verse is verse 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine and a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Love more, stress less. There are so many things in friendships and families that, that are just hard to, to handle. And here the Proverbs writer is saying, you know, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Some things can really hurt you, even physically. But if you can find your joy in God, if you can find some joy in Christ, we talked about this a lot last weekend, so go back to if you didn't hear that. But there's a foundation of your life, which is Jesus Christ, and you can stand upon that rock and be unmoved. You can find a peace and a contentment and, yes, even a joy, no matter what your circumstances are. I'm not talking about slapping on a happy face and acting like nothing's wrong. I'm, I'm talking about choosing to see God at work in everything that is happening in your life and finding the joy in God and your relationship with God. Maybe not in your circumstances, but you can find a joy in a God who loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you. You can find joy in a God who daily supplies what you need to make it through that day. And you can find a joy in the relationships that God has allowed in your life to be around you. Find that joy in him. You know, I saw this uh, little post. It says, arguing with your partner is like trying to read the terms of use on the internet. Eventually, you just give up and say, click, I agree. You know, you can't possibly work through all those things. You're just going to have to say, okay, we're going to work from a, a standpoint that we're going to be loyal to each other, love each other, and work together through whatever it is. I agree, okay? And you, you're not going to know all the fine print in the midst of life. A cheerful heart is good for you. Physically, it's good for you, and for uh, everybody else, it's good for them too. Uh, it's good for the people around you. They can be replenished and restored. There are people all around us. It says, a broken spirit saps a person's strength. There's people all around us who are broken and hurting. And we, as followers of Jesus, have the opportunity to bring hope into people's lives through a cheerful, joyful spirit. Just be the light in somebody's life this week. Show up in somebody's life and with, with a cheerfulness, with a positivity, and with a strong faith in Jesus Christ, and you can light up someone's life. Sometimes on days, even like Mother's Day, they can, some folks around us are the most broken. That's when they need our love and presence the most. Here's the principle. Become a healing presence in their life. Today, I wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. We're also 
going to talk about, it's Compassion Sunday. And so Valley Church people, you're amazing. You have sponsored hundreds and hundreds of children in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. We're going to learn more about that right now. And then, um, and then have an opportunity to hear a, a wonderful, incredibly powerful story. So let's watch. Growing up as a child, life was very hard. And many of the times that if we didn't have food, then we would go to scavenge in the, in the dumping site. I didn't have food the day before, neither the other day before. I only knew that I was hungry and I needed food. As a child, I grew up with a lot of hopelessness, and I knew that death was the best thing for me. At the age of seven, I lost three family members. I lost my mom, and I lost my stepdad. I lost my small brother, Patrick, because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. In the middle of prostitution. Feeling so helpless. Poverty made me feel less valued. It made me feel not loved. It made me feel uh, less of a human. Because it's so hard when you have not eaten dinner and knowing you'll not have lunch and you're not assured for dinner the following day, it's just feeling very helpless, like things are not gonna be better. I lost four of my siblings due to preventable diseases. Uh, three of them died before the age of five. My sister, we were sleeping with her in the same bed and she, she had died. Things changed later when I joined the program. When I started attending the Compassion Project, I was learning about the Bible, but the most important thing for me was that I was receiving food. I got an opportunity to go to school uh, with a pair of school uniform, with a pair of shoes. My mother heard about a church that worked with children. They're taking care of me, tutors, a pastor, a compassion director. Words are very powerful. My life was changed because someone told me, I believe in you, I love you, and I know you will succeed in life. My sponsor was a college student from Michigan, and in the first letter, she just told me that she wanted to make room for me. My sponsor, he was eight years old when I was nine, so he was one year younger than me. One decision to make room for one more changed my life. Saved my life. Saved my life. Will you make room for a child that needs you? Will you make room for one more? It's up to you. My name is Rafael. My name is David. My life was changed by a 26-year-old college student. Her name is Joan. Gail and Roger. Her name is Jamie. My sponsor made room for one more. And that one more. And that one more was me. Was me. 
sponsor a child through compassion today. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Good morning, everyone. It's a honor to me to be here in this stage today. I want to talk about my story and how God changed my life through compassion. My name is Nujerling, and I'm born in Dominican Republic. We used to live in the north of the country, and there was no enough employees, so my parents decided to move to the east of the country. And this place, we have sugar factories, and that's the only thing we have in that area. By that time, I can remember there was no sanitary system in our community. There was no clean water, so we have to walk like many, sometimes hours, trying to get, to get clean water. And also in my house, we don't have roof. So when it was raining, all the rains just get into our house. So most of the time we have this uh, walk. And I remember my mom said, you know, I want you guys go to school and study. So, but we don't have enough money to buy notebooks for everybody. So that day she cut in three pieces one notebook and give one to each of my brothers and I. So we go to school with this, uh, with this, um, a small piece of notebook, and also we used to have uh, bags in our fix because we don't have uh, shoes by that time. So my mother works in the sugarcane fields, as my father too, and she prepared one food for the day. And she always tell us, you guys, we have this food for the day. You have to decide when you're going to eat it, in the morning or in the lunch or in the night. So we always decide to eat in the night because I think it's very difficult going to bed with the empty stomach. So that's why we decide to eat it in the night. And the next day, I remember there was a group of church people going to our community and they would start talking about this project called Compassion. And at the beginning, we were not interested because imagine a group of people very hungry, and you talking about God. It was like, yes, sure, you know, that person loved us. But then they said, we're going to provide to your kids school supplies, they're going to have meals for every day, and we're going to help them to grow in a very uh, successful way. I remember they bring clean water to our community, and also they help with the sanitary system. So our communities in the first time with Compassion start changing. So I remember the first day I went to Compassion facilities, it was in the church. I never had meat before, and I was seven years old already. So the first day they put rice in a piece of a chicken leg, and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is real. Meat, that was something amazing. And I remember this because maybe for many people, meat is something very usual, but for us, it was something different. So the next thing Compassion do through the Lord was they give us no boots, school supplies, shoes for our feet. And our lives start changing in so many ways. 
And now we met somebody from the States that sent us letters, and the letters said they love us. So the first time I hear from somebody that I never met that loved me was from my sponsor. And she cried, uh, this is the family, and they cry a verse that said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. It's very difficult for a kids in so much poverty thinking about future. So after that, I finished high school, and at that time, also my father died. And Compassion always asked us this question, what do you want to be in the future? And by that time, my future was very dark. There was no hope. And then my mother said, we need to start uh, the university. I always wanted to become a doctor. But by that time, there was no possible because it's very difficult and price university. So I could get into the teaching school. So I started going to the teaching school every day, crying, saying, I don't want to become a teacher. I want to be a doctor. So there's a special program in Compassion called LDP. It's a developed program for young people that are understanding in their high school and they are leader in the church. So they told me, well, you know, you can apply for this program. So the day I went to the interview, I saw so many smart people, so many young people, very challenging, and I was like, no, I will not get this scholarship, no way. So I keep going to my uh, teaching classes. One month later, I received a call from Compassion Office. They said, Nujalim, you got a full scholarship to study medicine. So the same day, I said to my professor in teaching school, goodbye, people, I'm going to be a doctor. That was one of my best days I remember. So I finished high school, and I graduated from med school, and I got very good grades. And then I said, I want to be a neurosurgeon. And then my professor said, you know, neurosurgeon is not for females. Neurosurgeon is for men. You know, that was before. Now things are different, but before, that was not one of the specialty for females. So I went to the interview for the neurosurgery residency, and the professor said, you know, you have a very good uh, curriculum, and you have the best score, but we cannot give you the position of um, neurosurgery residency. You can do dermatologists, or you can do plastic surgery. You will be perfect on that. So I was like, no, I want to do neurosurgery. So I sent a letter. We always back and forth with my sponsor, and I tell her, you know, I want to become a neurosurgeon. So she said, well, if you cannot do it in your country, let's find another place. Maybe you can try to achieve that. So I went to Brazil, and I took the test in Brazil. And God helped me out, and I approved the test, and I became a neurosurgery resident, and that was maybe six or seven years ago. And it was very challenging to be the only female in a group of 10 men, and you have to try harder because you have to show that you deserve the position. So I finished six-year residency. I graduated from neurosurgery, and then I went to do a school-based surgery. And then that's another career that is not for females. So one of the professors said, you're already neurosurgeon, what else you want? And I said, I want to become a school-based specialties. 
So in Japan, they have one of the best school or school-based surgery. So I apply for the position. I take the test. The Lord gave me the opportunity, and I win the position. And I became to be the first black woman in Japan and doing this specialty. And it was amazing how the Lord can take you from nothing and put you in this kind of position. Today now, I'm working in the largest hospital of neurosurgery in my country, and I'm the second in the position of the school-based surgery. And it's just to know how compassion through the Lord can give you hope, can give you future, and can and give you the opportunity to dream. Before of that, I can dream. The only thing I was, it was hungry. My only feeling was, when will be my next meal? But thanks to the Lord and compassion, somebody one day chose my name in a package and start changing my life. And today is a great opportunity for everybody here to change somebody's life. Compassion is real. Compassion gives you to the kids and family future and hope. So this is our opportunity to change life. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Vargas. Amazing, huh? When you go back and look at the packets and see those little children's faces, just uh, see what the introduction of hope in their life can do. And as the video we saw earlier asks us, do we have room for one more in our lives? So those of you that sponsor children already, thank you. I've had the privilege of being here on the first Compassion Sunday and saw the first child from Honduras sponsored. And as we said, now almost 700. And there are a bunch more here that are longing for a home that you would consider sponsoring them. If you don't know about how Compassion works, very briefly, $38 a month. That money goes a long ways, as you might imagine, like loaves and fishes. It provides many of the things you have heard people bear witness to today, uh, food, clothing, access to education and healthcare. But most importantly, Every sponsorship is connected to a local evangelical church in their community, and so those sponsorships are administered through Christians in those hometowns that are from their area, that speak their language. It is a beautiful, indigenous way to see the gospel shared. And I don't even know what the numbers were, but I know that last year, over 150,000 sponsored kids gave their lives to Jesus Christ as a result of hearing the gospel through the impact of the sponsorship that people like you help provide. So after the service in the back, we have kids from all, all, almost all from Honduras. They're all from the project that Valley partners with, and they're broken down into age. So if that's even something you might be interested in for your own children or grandchildren, if there's some level of connection, you know, we have sponsored kids kind of the same age as our kids if they've come up. It's been a really beautiful way to do it. Um, you know, your pastor and I are great friends. I love Quentin. He's going to come up and share a little bit about his personal experience through the sponsorship of, of his kids. Thank you, Jeff. Ten years ago, uh, Valley Church was involved in child sponsorship in India. And um, I went to a table, and Ruth and I looked at this, and we picked up this card of a 14-year-old girl. Um, We didn't know what would happen in her life. She was very impoverished. Um, 
but she had a dream. And when we began to sponsor, she was able to go to school, she was able to get supplies, she was able to also be connected to a church in the nation of India, in her community. Her dream was to become a nurse. And that seemed like such a big dream, but God provided the ways for her not only to graduate from high school, but to go to, to a nursing college. We were so proud of her. She finished second in her class, a kid from the slums. She volunteered during the COVID pandemic and she actually served without pay in extra hours serving in a parking lot in a huge city of six million people where ambulances would come up, doctors and nurses like her would provide care, nutrition, and supplies to people in need who are suffering with COVID. And at the end of that time, she actually received this award for being an outstanding um, volunteer nurse. Even though she had a full-time job, she volunteered over and above this. I'm so proud of her. The most amazing thing is not only is she an amazing human being, she's an amazing follower of Jesus. And she's involved in reading the word, growing in her faith, and being a part of a church. Her name is Jagruti. Unfortunately, um, the government of India no longer allows that sponsorship at this time. You can pray that that will change. So Valley Church changed our focus to Honduras. By this point, we're hooked, you know? We have to do this. And so we picked up some cards and these are the three kids that we sponsor today in Honduras, a 16 year old young woman and then two twin boys that are the same age as our oldest grandson. And I'm gonna tell you that through these experiences, we get letters from them, they get letters from us. We send pictures, they send pictures. We hear about their progress, we hear about their faith and what an amazing blessing it is. But I'm gonna tell you this, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive and that is absolutely true. You will be way more blessed in giving than they ever will be in receiving. And that's not to minimize the incredible impact that that sponsorship, that your sponsorship can make. So as we close our time on this Mother's Day, I, I wanna just thank all the people who have already sponsored, as said, nearly 700 children are sponsored by the people of Valley Church. And we're aiming toward that, you know, 1,000 mark in the Lord's timing. The Lord is tugging at your heart to sponsor a, for, a child for the first time or uh, another child. Uh, God bless you, uh, however God leads you in that. And uh, I'm just grateful to be able on this Mother's Day for everybody here to have an opportunity to be that nurturing presence in somebody's life. Valley Church has partnerships continuing in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and we're looking forward to more opportunities this, this, this weekend and in the years to come. Can y'all pray with me? Father, thank you so much for Mother's Day. Thank you for our moms. What a difference they make. And thank you for this opportunity today to, to be a nurturing influence to our, through the book of Proverbs as we see to love more and stress less and to truly bless someone else in another place 
to lift their lives up and for them not only to get, get the food and education, but to know the gospel of you, Lord Jesus, who loves us so much. Thank you for this. And everybody agreed and said, amen, amen.